Hello, this is Mark Richter with another episode of Linux for the Layman. Want to feel safe, secure, and capable when using your computer? This is for you if you want to succeed and know you can handle your computer tasks with ease. This is episode 17 of Linux for the Layman. Today I'm going to talk a little bit about the terminal interface. Actually, most of you probably know this as the command line interface. And technically, that's sort of true. But I'm going to talk about it in more general terms and give you some pointers, things that you can do in the terminal interface that make it very useful. I'm going to keep this at a, a layman's level, so I'm not going to go into all the programmer terminology and explain things like that. That's just silly. That's not why you're here, and that's not why I'm here. In order to explore the terminal interface a little bit, you need to open up a terminal. In Linux, in general, you can do that by typing Control-Alt-T. That's hold down the control key, hold down the alt key, and type T. Now, it doesn't matter what's on your screen when you do this. The desktop manager will recognize this as a keystroke. It goes, oh, he wants to launch the terminal interface. Another way and very popular way that you can do this is if you click on the menu button, typically under one of the columns, there will be two columns. One is a menu of all the different areas of menus that you can activate, and the other is the most popular ones that come up immediately. It's labeled favorites. This web browser, mail reader, file manager, pigeon, internet messenger, and terminal emulator. You click on terminal emulator, you'll get the same thing that you get with typing control alt T. Now, Control-Alt-T isn't guaranteed to work. The menu button and the terminal emulator are. They will bring up a window which typically is 80 columns wide and 24 or 25 rows. Personally, I use the terminal interface a lot. So, my terminal interface windows come up 110 columns wide and 72 rows. Now I have a 32-inch 2K monitor, which means it's half of 4K resolution. It's, it's a good large monitor. I'm getting older and I like to be able to see things relatively clearly. The bigger the monitor, for me, the better. And with the 2K resolution, it has to be large because on your typical 27-inch monitor, 2K resolution is really small. And this is 2K... 16 by 10 format, not 16 by 9. Your typical HD monitor has 1980 columns and 1020 lines. The 2K monitor is approximately double that resolution. Mine's a 16 by 10 ratio, which means it's a little bit taller. It's better for doing photographs, lots of tall windows that aren't necessarily that wide. It gives me more lines of resolution vertically. So for example, when I open up a page in a book that I'm looking at online in LibreOffice Writer, I can get pretty much close to a full page 
on this screen. That's 2560 by 1440. A 4K monitor is bigger. I don't remember the exact numbers. In any case, I have tall windows that aren't necessarily that wide. 110 columns may sound like it's really wide. A lot of the stuff I look at needs more than 80 columns, and I like to have some space around what I'm looking at. So that's my terminal interface. Now, if you prefer having a window that's bigger than 80 columns by 24, you can adjust that easily enough. In the terminal interface at the top, there's the usual file, edit view, etc. Menu, you click on edit, and then click on preferences. And there are five tabs here, general, appearance, colors, compatibility, and advanced. Under appearance, you can select where it says opening new windows, default geometry, which is 80 by 25. Well, you can adjust those rows and columns, numbers, to match whatever you like. See, there are lots of ways you can get these things done. And I don't want to be confusing, so let's just skip that part and go straight to the terminal interface. What you're looking at here is essentially a, an emulator for a terminal that is plugged into your machine. Now, since we have graphics interfaces and all the modern distributions, and the monitor is where this stuff gets displayed. You don't have a terminal, but you can run a terminal emulator, which is a command line interface. When it comes up, you'll see a prompt, and there's a cursor. Mine's a white block, because I like having a big visible cursor. And right in front of that is the command line prompt. My prompt has the time in 24-hour hours and minutes in the hour. Then there's a small piece that says my user ID and the name of my machine, colon, and then there's an indicator for what directory I'm in. In the home directory, that shows up as a tilde. They're synonymous because the bash shell recognizes the tilde as shorthand for the home directory. So if you're going to change to your home directory, because you may not be there at some point, you can just type CD, which is short for CHDIR or change directory, and it will automatically take you to your home. Or you can say CD space tilde, and it will take you to your home. On my prompt, then there's a space, a dollar sign, and a space. The dollar sign tells me I'm running as my user ID. If you change to the root ID, which is highly not recommended, but sometimes you have to do it, the prompt usually ends with a hashtag, a number sign, instead of the dollar sign. That will tell you right away if you're running this shell as root or as a normal user. And we'll come back to this in a moment. Here we are at the shell prompt. The next thing to do is to type in a command. That's why it's called the command line interface, because you type in a command or a command line, which is however long you want it to be, and type the enter key or the character turn in most cases will signal to the shell you're done typing the characters that should read them and do what you told it to do. 
this is one of the things where you have to be careful because you can tell it to do something and not mean what you said because you didn't realize you gave it the wrong command. Like the CD command, for example. Let's say you say, instead of typing CD, you want to type in CHDIR, but you put in a typo and you accidentally type a T where the R is, and it comes back and says, Command CHDIT not found. Did you mean, and it will give you some options, try sudo apt install dev name blah blah blah. What you probably want to do is go back and correct the command, not install anything. 99% of the time, if you type something in, this comes back saying it can't find the command, there's a typo in the command line. You just have to fix it. Now, what's the easiest way to fix it? In bash, you can type the up arrow key that will go back to one command, and you'll see the chdit, then you backspace and type r, enter, and it says command chdir not found. <laughs> so I lied earlier. This change directed command in Linux is cd. So if I type cds by mistake, it doesn't know what that is. It says it's not found. Did you mean one of these? And it gives us a long list here. I didn't realize there were that many. Again, up arrow, backspace. Now it just says cd, poof. Now, in this case, since I'm already in the home directory, it didn't do anything. The prompt comes back on the next line. It's exactly the same. It helps if you know a lot of commands. You don't really need to. One very powerful command that you do need to know is the man command. It's not a sexist statement. It's short for manual. A lot of times what you'll find is that Linux commands are very terse. That is partly due to a long history that goes back to the beginning of Unix, which Linux is based on, where they had small terminals, they were 80 characters wide, and 25 lines tall, and 80 characters wide is not really long. So if you want to type in a really long command and you want to get the most meat out of it, you want to make sure the command names are short. So the chdir command, which is what you can use in Windows on the DOS command line, is only cd in Linux. There is an mkdir command for making a directory. A lot of these commands have very logical names. There's some that don't, and I'll go through a couple of those. For example, if you want to see what's in your directory in Windows, you'd type in dir. And that makes perfect sense, sort of, because it isn't saying to do anything with the directory. It just tells you what's there. In Linux, the command is short for list directory, and that command is ls. So if you type in ls, enter, it will show you all the files that are in your current directory. In addition to commands, there are other things you can put on the command line with a command. They are categorized into two different things, options and parameters. An option is something you want to modify the way the command presents its information in a particular fashion. 
there are usually a lot of options. If you want to see how many options there are for the ls command, there are tons, and we'll get back to the man command in a moment. After the options, and actually mixed in with the options for the most part, you can put in parameters. For example, I have in my home directory a bunch of directories and pretty much nothing else. It's all directories. Bin, cameras, desktop, documents, downloads, Dropbox, music, photos, etc. That doesn't give me a lot of information. And there are no commands there either. So let's say I want to see a listing that gives me some idea of how big these directories are, when was the last time they were updated, what are the permissions for accessing them, something I said I was going to explain last time and didn't, but I will get to that in a minute. I can type in an option to the ls command ls space dash l. Dash l is an option that means long, as in give me a long listing. And what that gives me is a column with the permissions on the directory, a column with how many links there are to that directory. I'll discuss that another time. The user ID who owns that directory, which is me. The group that can access that directory, which is usually users, but there are a couple that are me. My group, my personal group, same as my user ID. The next column is the size of it. The next two columns are the date. Usually it's two columns. If it was this year, if it's in a previous year, it'll be the year only. So like my bin directory was most recently accessed on June 6th. Today's June 18th. That was 12 days ago. And then there's a timestamp for the time that it was accessed on that day. And then the name of the directory. That's what a long listing looks like. Now that's the default long listing. There are others. If you want to know what all the options to this command are and possibly some examples of how to use it that is what the man command is for man is the online terminal interface manual so if i type in man space ls it gives me one screenful at a time of all the options there are a lot they actually fill up three screens most of three screens it tells me who the author is, where to report bugs, a copyright, and a C also, which tells me where the full documentation is at. And there's a URL, so I can look it up online. And by the way, you can do this by going to your web browser and type in man space ls, and it will bring up the manual page. Or it's available locally via an info command. And to be perfectly honest with you, I almost never use the info command and I'm not going to go into it. This is supposed to be fun. The manual command is wonderful. If you are looking for a command to do something and you're not sure what it is, you can type in something that will hopefully give you a hint. And that's the apropos command, A-P-R-O-P-O-S. Or you can type in man space dash K, which is the manual option to run the apropos command. What apropos will do is, let's say apropos list. I just got several screenfuls of information. It can be useful. If you're going to use apropos or man-k, you want to be 
as specific as you can to cut out all the junk because it'll get anything that has the word list in the one-liner for that command. For example, there's one here, xdr underscore pmap list, library routines for remote procedure calls. List was part of that command. But there's also lsatoms, lsatoms, list interned atoms defined on a server. I don't know what that means. I could look it up. It's easy enough to find out. But my point is the word list is not in the command. It's in the one-liner description of it. The man command is very powerful, and you can find a lot of what you need to know by using it. I know I promised I was going to cover permissions, and this is running really long, so I'm not going to do that today. I will spend at least a few minutes, probably the first half of the next episode, on file permissions and what they mean. This is the basic Linux security mechanism. It goes back to the most secure operating system in the world, Maltics, which is basically security spelled sideways, that Unix inherited the idea from and Linux got the idea from Unix. So we'll cover that next time. I'm also going to go into a little bit more about the command line and things you can do with it, because I like to use it, and I think it's entirely probable that you will too, once you get over the hesitation to jump into the dreaded command line interface. I hope you found today's episode exciting, or at least enjoyable, maybe a little humorous, definitely educational. If you have questions, feel free to contact me. I can't answer your questions if you don't ask them. I'd love to hear from you. Send this around to your friends, see if you can get more people involved. The more people that know about Linux, the better in general. And if you feel like sending me a contribution, that's fine too. I don't turn down money for this. I also don't charge anything for it, which is one of the reasons I don't turn down money. Have a wonderful time. I hope you'll come back and visit us on the next episode of Linux for the Layman, The Joy of Computing. Bye for now.